This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Episode 20, fighting autoimmunity, allergies, disease, and revitalizing your immune system with Dr. Jenna Machoki. Welcome to the Alternatively Healthy Podcast. I am your host, Becky Rabin, personal trainer, wellness coach, and founder of online wellness magazine, Alternatively Healthy. This is your high vibe, soul soothing weekly dose of wellness. Each week, I will be getting up close and personal, bringing you conversation and insight with some of the wellness industry's most renowned health practitioners, coaches, experts, and thought leaders from around the world. Through our podcast, we hope to give you all the information, resources, and tools that you need to help shape the healthiest and happiest version of you. Dr. Jenna Machoki is an expert doctor of immunology, published scientist, and regular contributor to the media. Gaining her PhD in immunology from Imperial College London in 2008, she is driven by a deep personal interest in improving health and well-being through lifestyle. And she has dedicated her career to understanding every intricacy of what we eat and what we do and how it impacts our immune system and overall health. Jenna takes a deep dive into the incredible science of lifestyle medicine, delivering the most up-to-date evidence-based knowledge, bringing you a whole range of simple tools in your toolkit to apply key principles of lifestyle to ensure optimal health. Hi, Jenna. Hi there, Becky. Hello. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, really good. Really good. Good. Thank you so much for joining me today on the All Healthy Podcast. So today I'm super excited to have you on and we're going to be talking all things fighting autoimmunity, allergies, disease and revitalizing our immune system. So you are the perfect person to have on for this. I'm super excited to have it and discuss this topic because it's a topic that not only do I think my audience will really relate to on so many levels from the feedback that I get and the messages that I get from people, but also as something that really sits closely to home with me. So a lot of my audience may or may not know, but as a child, I was in and out of hospital with food intolerances, allergies to 
dogs, cats. Oh my goodness. I, I had it all. I had eczema. I had asthma. I had hay fever to the degree where they'd never seen it like that before. I got glandular fever really badly quite a few times. I had tonsillitis all the time. Oh my goodness. I had my adenoids out, my tonsils out. So I kind of was like in and out of it from a very, very young mm-hmm. age. And I grew up with this stress around food, around things, yeah. around putting anything into my body. And actually it wasn't until I went to uni, obviously battered my body in so many ways, like everyone <laughs> does at uni. And then yeah. of course got really ill after a bad breakup and all my intolerances and sensitivities came to light even worse. And I just hit rock bottom and was like, okay, yeah. how can I heal myself? And that's actually how Alternatively Healthy actually started. And its original strap line was healing the body of intolerances. And it was all me yeah. just sharing what I was learning as I was trying to overcome all of these. So from my perspective, it's just great to have you on and to like really find out a little bit more because you are the expert doctor of immunology. Is that how you say it? Immunology? Yeah, immunology. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is a pretty amazing thing to own, especially in this industry. So do tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to being so interested in this area of health. I grew up in rural Scotland on a farm, actually, so a real kind of farm-to-table lifestyle. Now looking back, I really appreciate how precious that is. Yeah, One of the (laughs) strappings of modern life. And I always had this fascination with health and disease. And when I was looking to go to university, someone had mentioned immunology and I started looking into it. And they had a really great immunology department at the medical school in Glasgow University. So I decided to go there. And when I got to university, I was like, that's it. I've just found my people. This is what I want to learn about. For some reason, the immune system to me just seemed to be governing every aspect of our health and disease. We find it in every illness. It's what keeps us healthy. And from that point on, I was really, this is what I want to do. And that was almost 20 years ago. So time is going on. And I've just been working in the field ever since. I've moved around in a few different areas and I've worked in a few different settings. So where you work now, you predominantly focused on one area or how does it work if someone needs to see you? What areas are you usually focusing on or what are the most... Yeah, I did my PhD at Imperial College in London and that was around allergy, asthma, allergic disease, inflammation. So that was kind of where I specialised. And then after that, I've always been really interested in ways that we can like take care of ourselves naturally and I think that's just a personal thing it probably comes from my upbringing as I went on in my career I kind of started to fuse those two things together so the research and the work that I was doing I wanted to use the scientific evidence to inform that so finding alternative ways to take care of ourselves and treat disease but making sure it's coming from the evidence-based medical field so that's always where I've tried to come from I went to work for a Spanish company that were using what they call allergy immunotherapy. So this is where we give people teeny tiny bits of the thing that they're allergic to, either under the tongue or under the skin. And we're doing it in a way to try and retrain the immune system to stop responding to it. So I was running clinical trials with them and this was really quite successful. It's not something they do so much in the UK because unfortunately there is a risk of anaphylactic shock. Basically, you're giving an allergic person something they're allergic to. So whilst 
it's given in a way that retrains our immune system to tolerate it, it could also go the other way in certain cases. And I think it fell out of favor in the UK. So the trial that I was involved in was in Spain. Yeah. I just always had this thing about the gut yeah. and diet and nutrition from working in Spain. I then went to Switzerland. Wow. Travelled a, a lot. Yeah, exactly. I got a research fellowship there and I was in Switzerland about eight years. There I really delved into nutrition and the immune system. Which is, I think, what's so interesting about the line of work that you do is it's very, very prominent at the moment, isn't it? With people struggling with like digestive system issues, allergies, hormones. You hit the nail on the head at the beginning about how everything's so connected to the immune system. It's all essentially connected, isn't it? And the fact that 90% of the immune system is built in the gut, right? Exactly. And that's a fact that people use quite a lot. And it's quite true. A lot of our immune system is in the gut. And if you think about it, there's a reason why it's there. Because our immune system is basically a whole constellation of different types of cells and molecules that are found all over our body. But they're predominantly found in places where we might meet an infection. So this could be the lungs, the skin, digestive tract. So anywhere where we're open to the environment and the tube that makes up our digestive tract is literally one cell thick. So it's a very delicate barrier between what is going into the digestive tract and the rest of our body. So you really have to have a lot of things in place to make sure that nothing is crossing over that shouldn't be. And it's very thin because it functions as a way of absorbing our nutrients. Mm. So the design feeds into what it does. But as a collateral, you do end up with you know, a lot of damage, you're swallowing things that contain all sorts of bacteria, all sorts of things. And every day your immune system has to deal with that. So that's probably why the biggest collection of immune cells are in our gut. But they really are all over our body. You can find immune cells everywhere. Some people that I work with in the field often liken it to being our sixth sense because the immune system really interprets changes to our world around us and it's always responding appropriately. So it really changes throughout our lifetime. That's really interesting. I think this is important, especially hearing your story. Yeah. Um, I think that one of the things that's important to know is that the immune system is made, it's not born. So when we're born, our immune system is quite underdeveloped and quite immature. Wow. And it senses the environment around us and it becomes colonized with our microbiome. And over those early years of childhood, that's what starts to really shape our immune system. Interesting. So why would someone like me potentially have built up all of those issues from childhood? Like what sort of factors can affect how our immune system actually is made? So there's a lot of different things. And the more that we find out in this area, the more that the microbiomes, the, the collection of microbes that live on us and in us, These are one of the big factors that influence the development of the immune system. And I always think it's quite a shame when we think about ways to try and manipulate our immune system because a lot of it happens in our early childhood and it's things that we cannot change anymore. There are things you can do as an adult. For example, we know that having a cesarean birth causes a different kind of colonization onto the child. child, We also know that breastfeeding is important because 
there's things that the mother is eating, yeah. different foods the mother is eating, and pieces of these food is actually transferred through the breast milk by the maternal antibodies. And there's a, a little receptor in the baby's gut that accepts these antibodies with bits of food and it tells the immune system, this food is safe, don't respond to this. So if you have a mother who's eating a really broad range of food and she herself doesn't have allergies then she's breastfeeding and it's actually passing on that knowledge to the, to the child's child. immune system. Yeah, so, and that's where like, um, hereditary things come in then. Yeah, exactly. And part of it is genetic. So yeah. um, there's certain genotypes in the ways that our immune system senses the environment that mean that we're more likely to respond in a wrong way. So our immune system thinks it's something dangerous when it's not. And then it's more likely to respond. Yeah. And that's, again, quite hard to reel in once it starts. One thing to mention is that our immune system has all these different types of cells. It's not just one on and off switch. Yeah, There's many different types of cells. And some of them are on switches. When we get an infection, we get all those symptoms. They're producing all these molecules that are fighting off the infection. But we have a whole other side to our immune system that is switching that off. The whole regulatory arm, this very specialized regulatory cells that then turn it off again. And these are the ones that are, in my opinion, more important on the day to day because they're keeping everything in check day to day as we go through our life. It's so incredible. I literally just stopped recording a section of my program about Mm. how to love our bodies and how to look at them like they're so much more than what they look like. And it's just kind of fixated it even more just how incredible they are that they you know they grow they evolve you're not just born with them as they are and the things that go on behind the scenes and you obviously started by saying there are so many aspects that the immune system affects what Mm -hmm. are those areas of our like obviously I know from my sake it's my allergies my digestive system my hormones but what does the immune system effect so it's everything we primarily think of it as something that helps fight infections and i guess that's because how it was primarily discovered it's very important in non-infectious diseases as well it's responsible for healing all of the damage repair in our body and it's actually our main form of cancer surveillance so there's particular immune cells that are all the time moving around our body and under surveillance they're picking out any potentially transformed cells which could go on to become cancerous so obviously as cells replicate and divide they can often acquire mutations that could then go on to become cancerous and the immune system is quite good at picking these out all the time it also speaks a biochemical language with all our other body systems including our our nervous system and also our hormone system so they have a lot of bi-directional communication via neurotransmitters and hormones and the immune mediators which are called cytokines so immune cells can respond to hormones and neurotransmitters and vice versa one of the things that has emerged is that women are much more predisposed to allergies and autoimmune diseases and men tend to suffer infections worse so in a sense man flu is a real thing yeah because they get worse say that (laughs) (laughs) which i definitely think is true yeah but women unfortunately our immune systems have this tendency to go towards being allergic or being autoimmune. So responding to things that they shouldn't, basically. And is that just a gender thing, or do you think there's anything in the environment that might have caused women to become more allergic and more intolerant? I think primarily it's probably due to hormones, particularly because after menopause, we see an accelerated curve in terms of women going on to develop these 
conditions. So it definitely seems that something in the hormone environment. Our immune cells have receptors for different female hormones, so they're mm-hmm. definitely responding to that and something's going on. I've heard people put out other theories about yeah. women being more clean and there's the whole theory about getting dirty is good for your immune system, but yeah. I don't know if that's really... See, I, this is what I find so interesting from all the podcasts and like events that I've done where I've brought so many different experts together talking about different fields and it kind of yeah. always does come down to hormones. When I look back at it and I step away and I go, okay, so most most of the girls I know are binging and restricting food, they're over-exercising, mm-hmm. they have hormone dysfunctions and they also have autoimmune and all of these like digestive issues and everything's connected and I talk about it a lot in a lot of my podcasts and I know there's probably yeah. like, no like underlying definitive answer but I just can't help but put together the fact that you know this rise of our obsession with health and obviously there's different sides to this there's people who you know health and fitness is amazing for you and I am and obviously a personal trainer so I'm a hugest advocate for people moving um, yeah. but it's when you go over the other scale of becoming obsessed with it and stressed with it and not just exercise I'm talking in the way that women overwork as well and overthink a lot of things whether it comes to work or their health and there's such a correlation there with with the rise of the hormone issues and autoimmune diseases and people with PCOS and endometriosis and kind of all of those things I just can't help but think that the rise is too coincidental exactly and I think it's something that perhaps the scientific community ignored for quite a while and a part of the work that I've tried to do is to get them to ask the right questions instead of being quite reductionist and looking at oh this one molecule does this you know and we see it in the headlines that come out in the news one thing is good for us one thing is bad for us and trying to get people to step away and and look okay you know this is happening more to women we have to go in to detail and really kind of unpick what's more of a holistic kind of viewpoint I guess just picking up on what you're saying about exercise I think it's something that we know is good for the immune system but there's two sides to the same coin yeah and that's the really tough message I think to execute because I obviously want people to move and I think it's great that we move and recently in the news there's been so much talk about how great it is to move and there was a recent news story about how it can actually detriment your mental health as well if you're overdoing Mm -hmm. it and people went crazy for it and uh, I just kind of was like I think people need to take a step back and look at the spectrum here there are obviously people who absolutely need to get up and move because they're not moving and then there are people who have a really healthy relationship with the way that they move but there are a huge amount of women who maybe aren't talking about it out loud who are premenopausal with their hormones because of the way that they've been living their lifestyle I just find it really interesting and I know that like industries are coming together a lot more now to look into yeah I think body composition and the way we exercise is a really interesting point because people do now exercise like they're training like they're an athlete but they're not you know they already have a full-time job and several Mm. life stresses and commitments when they go to the gym and they're at gym schedule and everything it's like that of an athlete yeah it's so interesting that's, that's really tough and one of the interesting things about body composition I think because the immune system is so important it is the thing that makes inflammation in the body I know that we've touched on this in some of the articles on alternatively healthy but inflammation is what our body uses as a weapon to fight infection because it's very toxic to the any yeah. bugs that are trying to infect us but it's also something that happens with the day-to-day wear and tear on our bodies mm-hmm. and this low-grade inflammation is now what we know to be the biggest 
factor driving aging above everything else. So quenching inflammation is key to any kind of anti-aging strategy. As it turns out, having a healthy body composition also contributes to this balance of inflammation because both fat tissue and muscle tissue are immunologically active tissues. So by having the right amount of fat and having enough muscle and using that muscle, you're actually producing molecules that are going to send signals to balance your immune system. And this seems to be independent of weight loss per se. So I think to me, it rings with the whole health at every size. Like you don't have to be slim to be healthy. You will know the signs if your body is in balance. Actually, our immune system uses body fat to store what we call um, memory cells. And these memory cells are things that remember infections we've had before. So it calls on those if you get another infection. So, for example, you had the chicken pox as a child. Yeah your immune system makes a population of memory cells and it stores these in your body fat. Wow. So if you then are around somebody who's got chickenpox, your body brings these out into play and makes sure you don't get a second infection. Mm -hmm. So if you have too low body fat, you're really reducing the reserves that your immune system has to store these memory cells as well. Which is also really interesting because I think there was a period and maybe not so much anymore where we were all very low body, like not all of us, but like people were striving to have as little fat and have as low body fat as possible. And obviously, I think that's the thing is like, it's almost like an aftermath of what we were kind of chasing and trying to achieve with our weight loss journey yeah i mean the the immune system is so responsive that you know it can adapt you'll be fine for a certain period of time but i like to look more cumulatively like decades down the line what's going to be the consequence because it's really when you get to that middle age period and onwards that's when things are going wrong more easily and what you've done in the first half of your life can help you know buffer that a little bit more so that's really really interesting Going back to what you're saying about autoimmune diseases and and what you can do as an adult. Yeah. Obviously, certain things happen to us in our childhood, what we can't undo. Things like taking a lot of antibiotics. Yeah. I'm not sure if this was something that you experienced because you were having this frequent periods of not being well. Yeah, I was given antibiotics. They give it out so easy. Three of my friends have had babies recently as well, and their babies have all been put on antibiotics straight away. Yeah, I mean, I had lots of antibiotics as a child because it was just the time. That's what happened. And now I really try to avoid it with my own children. I think they have their place, but I don't think we realise what damage they were doing at the time. And a lot of that now we're trying to undo. That's one thing that can happen. But then going on to being an adult, once your immune system has been triggered down a certain path, it's almost like it collects extra things to respond to, mainly because the regulation is gone. So there's these immune cells that regulate the immune system and there's not enough of them around basically so the other bits are just being a bit unruly and going off and responding to things that are allergens or parts of our own body and you need to try and bring back the regulation and how can we bring that back it's really hard what I was saying with some of the clinical trial work I was doing several years ago we're trying to find out how you can show the immune system tiny bits of the allergen in Mm. a way that retrains it so if you have things that you're very allergic to you obviously have to take them out of your life but maybe 
there's an opportunity to work with a healthcare provider to reintroduce them in yeah. a way that retrains your immune system. So it can be about dose and frequency of how you see that. Mm-hmm. And what so, are your thoughts on like alternative methods of healing? So what's really interesting about me and I, I like wanted to ask this question is when it comes to getting ill, my immune system is rock solid. I never get ill. And when I feel it yeah. coming on my body fights it. I can't remember the last time I actually like laid down with the flu. I always fight it. I've been fighting something for the last week and I just always think, oh my God, my body, you're just so powerful how you fight it. And I do think that's a lot to do with my diet and the foods that I eat. We'll definitely come on to the foods that people can eat to help boost their immune system in a little bit. But that's where I always found it really odd with me. Like obviously when I was a child, I caught everything. I got mumps. I got it the worst that anyone had ever had mumps. Like, I literally had six doctors come in and they'd never seen it like that before. Oh, it's man. just everything. <laughs> when I catch things like that or I get super sensitive or I have allergies to, I can't even take ibuprofen. Like I just can't take anything. Yet when it comes to my immune system with fighting yeah. illness, I'm much, much better. But I guess that's a question in itself. Before so, I go yeah, to the next that, point. that's really interesting. My first thoughts that come to mind really is going back to the immune system is something that is what makes us very unique. So mm. why do some people seem to suffer infections and they get everything coming along and then other people seem to barely catch a sniffle? Some people are really weighed down with allergies and others don't. And people often tend to say, oh, it's because my immune system's weak rubbish, or rubbish yeah. or whatever. Why do we differ so much? I think... One of the ways to explain it is that the immune system is one of the most variable parts of our genome. It's really the core of our diversity. The reason for that is because it's one way that we've evolved to survive as a species. Mm. So if you imagine if you're sitting in a room with 10 people and you drop an infection on all of them, not everybody will get the infection to the same degree. Because if we all got really sick and died, then there would be no one to yeah. populate the earth, you know, kind of thing. So it's it's an evolutionary adaptation. So we're really all on this huge spectrum of how we respond to things. So you're saying like your immune system is really good in terms of you don't pick up all these yeah. coughs and colds. But the unfortunate thing is that you seem to really lean on the side of allergies and autoimmunity. Yeah. So on one level, not saying that conclusively that is it, on one level, it's your genetic makeup. I'm a real believer that the microbiome is such a huge part of everything. And I think having changes in your microbiome through antibiotics, through different things that could have affected us in our lives, I think that is really something that might affect how your immune system is responding. One of the biggest ways we know to increase this regulation, these T-regulatory cells that are suppressing unruly immune responses is through the gut. So we know that dietary fiber, Mm -hmm. so all the fiber we get in different plants and beans and pulses, it's actually our microbiome that are breaking these down for us. We mm-hmm. can't really digest them very well. So we rely on our microbiome to do this. And part of the byproducts of these are something called short chain fatty acids. So this is acetate, propionate and butyrate. And these are key growth factors for a digestive tract. So the cells that lie in the digestive tract, they help them grow and produce fresh ones and have this huge turnover of our digestive tract all the time. So they keep it strong. They also tighten up the junctions between the cells of our digestive tract. So they really keep it from being leaky. And this is something that I was working on in Switzerland. So the whole leaky gut idea and why that is a big problem for our immune system. So you've got to have the right bugs in place. You've got to be eating the right foods. So fiber is the big one. The other one I like to talk about is phytonutrients. 
in terms of the immune response, everybody likes to think about vitamins and minerals yeah. because that's what we think about. Oh, vitamin C, this is yeah. what we need. But if you have a fairly good diet, it's quite hard to be deficient in those unless you're you know, eating really poorly. Mm. But what doesn't come up in the sort of recommended daily allowances is phytonutrients, the plant chemicals that are in food that have massive broad ranging effects on our body. And we're really at the tip of the iceberg in terms of understanding this. There's literally thousands of different phytochemicals. And I think that's why we're encouraged to eat a real broad variety of plant-based yeah. foods, because then you're getting a real variety of these phytochemicals. Yeah. And these chemicals that the plants produce are actually their way of defending themselves. So, you know, if we want to run away from an intruder, we could get off and do that. But plants, yeah. they're stuck in the ground. They have to have other ways if, if an insect was to come along and try and eat them. They produce these phytochemicals in a way to defend themselves. And one of the things that they do when we eat them is they actually cause a little stress on our body. It's called a hormetic stress. So mm. they actually stress our immune cells and that stress actually kills off any old, what we call senescent immune cells, the so cells that are a little bit past their cell by date. And that makes space for fresh uh, stem cells to come out from the bone marrow and repopulate. And if you think about it, aging, things go wrong. When we age, our bodies start to go wrong. So when our cells age, they start to go wrong. So yeah. by eating a lot of phytonutrients, you're going to help remove those older yeah. immune cells. And those are the ones that might go wrong. So that's one of the best things you can do. Wow. One of the things, actually, when I was super allergic, my hay fever and especially animals as well, is I don't know if you've ever heard of kinesiology before, but it works on the principle of like functional Chinese medicine and it's a lot to do with your energy. And I physically had to take my cat hair with me to, wow. yeah, to this treatment and... I don't know if you know much about those, but I had one where I was like attached to wires and they put loads of foods that I was like allergic to on this machine, which was connected up to like my body pulse points. And it saw how mm -hmm. my body reacted to those foods, which was really interesting. But then I actually had once where we took my cat hair with me because I used to like mm -hmm. come up in like hives and have asthma attacks if I was in a house I can't remember if I had the cat or not but my mum was like if you're gonna have a cat we have to do this and it completely desensitized me from my cat like I just completely <gasps> wow, grew out of that allergy them. and it was really interesting and that's kind of a, where alternatively healthy was like kind of first planted because I was like I've had blood tests for autoimmune disease for gluten intolerance mm -hmm. I've had all of them and they've shown up nothing and they've said that I'm fine I don't have autoimmune disease yet I have all the symptoms and we'll go on yeah. to autoimmune but I have all the symptoms of it I have clearly an inflamed yeah. body and it was so interesting that for me that worked just by like having something as alternative as that did you have to have several how would you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with juvederm voluma xc in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment look younger feel like you add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with juvederm voluma xc Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Velour XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. 
There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Yeah, I had several sessions, and I also am having it at the moment with health kinesiology. And honestly, like my skin has transformed. It basically picks up what your body says is going on. And she picked up that yeah. I was having an allergic reaction to my own progesterone. So at every point, whenever my progesterone was heightened throughout my cycle, mm-hmm. I'd come out in like this massive rash on my face and would feel really ill. Oh. But it was so interesting after having two sessions with her, my skin has like never been better. It's mm-hmm. just, I don't know, it's really opened me up to so many yeah. other ways. But I, I mean, I don't know very much about definitely um, look the process, into it. but I'm all about being open and mm. to these kinds of things because I think that the conventional medicine world often shuts it off yeah and puts these things in a box of being like a bit fluffy and I think that's really wrong like I think that there's certain things that conventional medicine does really well and there's certain things that they don't yeah get absolutely all the time and we see that with chronic disease rising and you know, to get people to start talking about how we can have an integrative approach where, yeah, you might have some conventional medications, but you can augment that with yeah. other therapies. And I think to do that, to get the medical community to accept it, we need to generate the studies that support it. And I think often the lack of evidence is not because there's no evidence, it's because the studies haven't been done. Yeah, absolutely. We need people to fund them and all of that kind of thing. Um, yeah. So, But yeah, I'm definitely going to look up. Definitely look it up because it might even yeah. add more to your, because exactly. I'm such a believer of not, just that side not the alternative yeah. side and that the science should come in it's just that well science absolutely should come in and it's an, it has the incredible part of it but then there's a lot of practitioners who just don't even acknowledge that side oh, of it yeah, and, and exactly. I think with stuff like autoimmune and chronic inflammation and stuff that's exactly where we need to be a little bit more open so I guess going back to autoimmune we've touched upon it a lot if you could just explain it a little bit to anyone that's listening that maybe hasn't listened to any of my other podcasts on autoimmune Yeah, things. so autoimmune disease is when your immune system starts responding to bits of your own body, basically. It could be in a specific region, so a rheumatoid arthritis, our body's responding to something in our joints, yeah. or it could be something more diffuse and or more non-specific. But like you say, you had problems maybe because people couldn't yeah. put an actual label on your condition yeah. so they would rather just say you're fine because the tests say this and but yeah it's basically any way that your immune system is responding to yourself which it shouldn't do our immune system learns to tolerate ourself over a lifetime so it goes through certain processes 
every immune cell that's developed in the bone marrow and released into the blood, there's these master controller T cells that go into the thymus and go through this really rigorous process to make sure that they don't respond to anything that's of our own body. But sometimes this process isn't as tight and it's sort of a balance because we need a large repertoire of immune cells to be able to fight off any infections. Mm-hmm. But the compromise is that leaves you more open to generating immune cells that respond to yourself. So we have a lot of processes around the body that try and keep that in check. And a lot of it happens in the gut. So going back to fiber yeah. that we're eating, this also helps generate a lot of these regulatory cells in the gut that can then go around the body and stop any unruly cells from responding. Part of my work that I was doing a few years ago was looking at leaky gut. I don't know if this is something you've already spoken about. Or- um, I actually haven't. And it is something that was right at the beginning of my journey of launching Alternatively Healthy was that someone yeah. said to me, you probably got leaky gut. If it's not Crohn's and it's not PCOS and it's not endometriosis, even though you're showing all those signs, it could be something. And I actually went on a gut health detox. It was an American lady and I literally stripped everything back. Like that was the beginning of me, like kind of mastering it a bit. So I think leaky gut is one of those things, like if you type it into Google, it's going to be the label that's attached to every condition under the sun. And I think there's a lot of misunderstanding about leaky gut and how I like to discuss it. It's something that happens every time you eat a meal. So it's a normal physiological process when you eat a meal, which sounds a bit scary, but it's part of our digestion. So the gut becomes permeable so that it helps the digestive process and Mm. helps with absorption of our different nutrients and things. But certain things in our diet can make it more leaky than others. Before I go on, I should mention why it's a problem if our gut becomes leaky. As you can imagine, things that are in your gut the food that we're digesting that we need to absorb and take it around the body. But there's also the bacteria that live in our guts. So the microbiome yeah. are there. And our immune system is quite happy with them living in the gut, even though they're bacteria and they've got molecular barcodes on them that switch on our immune system. As long as they're inside the gut and not crossing over into the body, that's fine. But when we get a leaky gut, Bits of those bacteria are able to cross over into our bloodstream and they go swimming around the body and they turn on our immune system because our immune system is designed to respond to anything that's like a bacteria, something Mm. that's not our own body. So every time you eat, you get the transient inflammation all around the body. So we call it postprandial systemic inflammation. So it's post-eating, like whole body inflammation. Yeah, so I used to get that really badly. It's pretty transient. It peaks about one hour and then disappears. You don't even know what's happening. There are certain foods that can exacerbate it. So we know for a fact that fat, and in particular saturated fat, can really exacerbate the gut leakiness. Interesting. And also fructose. Yeah. So those are the kind of main things that... For a long time I did not have fruit. (laughs) Yeah, because you have that sensitivity. The gut barrier can also close the gut up again. So eating fiber, eating all those phytonutrients from plants, this is sealing up again. So it's a complete process. You eat a meal, open the barrier, digestion happens, your gut bacteria are helping to ferment everything, producing a lot of molecules from the digestion of our food that seals the gut back up. And we're none the wiser and we're still healthy and fine. And that's a normal physiological response. But 
it can go wrong sometimes. Mm. People can have a poor diet and eating too many of the wrong things. For me, what I actually started looking at was looking at meal frequency. So this is not something that really is involved in any kind of dietetic approaches. Yeah. But I think it might be emerging now with the whole like fasting yeah the scenario fasting. i'm not really yeah one to i don't really feel it's yeah <laughs> something i want to promote per se because no. i'm not an expert in fasting but i did look at consolidating all your calories into defined meal times yeah compared to spreading it through a constant snacking regime. And if you imagine that every time you eat, you get this transient inflammation, yeah. transient leaky gut. If you're eating three times a day, that's three times a day your body has to deal with inflammation. Yeah. If you're snacking like every hour for 18 hours of the day, you're increasing that load of inflammation, yeah. which cumulatively could have a consequence over, over a certain period, period of time. time. Yeah. So I do think that when we look at the data of how people eat, we've really moved away from this idea of having three set meals a day mm. to one where snacking is kind of like the norm. Yeah. yeah. This is where I start to go back to my own childhood and like growing up really farmed table and there was no means to snack. There was no shops. No. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and like my mom was a professionally trained cook. I really believe that she thought you could heal anything with food. Yeah. You know, it was like, and mealtimes were like family times where you're sitting at the table all together and there's no distractions. And I realize it's quite idealistic because it was like decades ago. But I do think that losing that only went on to exacerbate the problems we have with our immune system now. So perhaps the trappings of modern life, also things like sitting together with friends or family to enjoy your evening yeah. meal. When we eat with endorphins, so happiness yeah. and those are biochemical signals in our body that are also helping to generate these regulatory T-cells in our body, these immune cells that quench the sort of more unruly inflammatory ones. So I remember when I found that out and I was just really made me think like we need the endorphins, we need to be happy in our lives and what we're doing because that's also impacting our immune system. Yeah. So I often think of it as like many different supports, you know, supporting your chair, you know, you need all of those to be in place to have the immune system in balance. And that's where it's really hard because it's very complicated. It's yeah. finding the right amount of exercise for you and the right amount of stress that gives you the get up and go you need, yeah. but without tipping you over the edge and, yeah. and having support around you to take the edge off the stress of your day-to-day -day life and then also fitting in time to eat well and eat in a relaxed manner and we're bombarded with things telling us to snack all day and this huge industry is built up around it and stuff. I'm such an advocate of listening and tuning in to your body and you mm -hmm. and giving yourself time. And I think that's where it all falls down to is if you're noticing mm -hmm. that snacking a lot is making you bloated all the time, that was yeah. happening to me. I changed my diet and I now actually revert back to my three meals. And then yeah. usually in the afternoon, I have the afternoon snack and I'm fine with it. But I've tuned into my own personal body. I don't say that that works for anyone else, but I have breakfast a little bit later and I yeah. have dinner a little bit earlier because I do struggle digesting my meals aren't huge and I have to eat them very slowly and yeah. I have to eat them when I'm not running around doing work or stressed that is just me and I think that's one of my biggest things that I'm so passionate about sharing that I've learned I guess from yeah. doing all of these podcasts is that people need to start listening to themselves a little bit more and tuning into their own bodies exactly because like just worrying about what other people are doing all the time 
from me, my own experience and also from colleagues and friends and their patients and clients that they've worked with, often they've gone through the whole process of looking at different things in their life from like a sort of functional medicine yeah. perspective. And sometimes the most powerful thing is not telling that person to eat more or less of one thing or another or to include that or exclude that, yeah. but actually just consolidating what they're already eating into defined meal times yeah. and making those meal times an actual meal where you sit down, you taste your food, you smell your food, you enjoy the, the whole yeah. mouth feel, the enjoyment, eating with other people if that's you know something that's accessible to you instead of grabbing and going and constantly grazing all day and I know that it's important from this perspective of the immune system and the leaky gut and the inflammation I think we're starting to understand a bit more about what it's doing to the microbiome when we're not eating versus eating yeah and I think that will start inform what we do as time goes on the other thing is eating within the circadian rhythm so this is another really emerging field. I don't know if you're familiar with that at all. No. So the circadian rhythm is basically, as I see it, it's like we can't escape our evolution. So our eyes have special cells in them that respond to the sun and it sends a signal to our body that it's a time of wakefulness. It's a time to get up. It's a metabolically active time. Mm. And about 80-90% of our immune cells also contain these, what we call them clock genes. So they're circadian rhythm genes. So your eyes are detecting the sun in the morning and it's sending a signal to all these other clock genes. This is active time. The person's going to be out and about. This is a time for eating and doing and moving. And then as the sun goes down, you no longer have this signal through your eyes that it's daylight. Your cortisol should go down and your melatonin should come up and that makes you feel sleepy. And then we go to sleep and the whole process starts again. And what they found looking at shift workers is mm -hmm. that they're actually at much more risk to immune dysregulation. They're at much more risk to inflammatory diseases. And not only that, I mean, this is probably not the part I know the least details about, but the way they process food, so people who are working a night shift, is very different to the same people eating that same food during the day. Wow. So I think the terms of the insulin spike and the triglycerides in the blood and everything, it's very deregulated when people eat the same food in the night, so the same people, same food. And what we also find is when we sleep, the immune system is producing a huge stack of new cells from the bone marrow, so all these stem cells coming into the blood new white blood cells. And then when you wake in the morning, they're populating all our different tissues, keeping those barriers to the environment all protected. So if your sleep is affected, this process is affected and you're decreasing your immune defense to getting sick. At the same time, you might put yourself also at risk of having a more allergic or an autoimmune type of phenotype because you're not getting these fresh new cells. And we talked earlier about getting rid of the old cells. Yeah. I think having this balance, this is where your immune system needs to be. But it's a very difficult thing to achieve. Even in our conversation, we've talked about diet and sleep, yeah. and stress. And, you know, so you really have to carefully be checking all the boxes in your life and saying, like, what one do I struggle with the most? The Where most, does it need yeah. the most work? Because I think it, that's where people become a little bit overwhelmed when they realise yeah. that it's not just about their diet and it's not just about their exercise and actually they need to look at their entire life. Yeah, but, and it's a process. And I think, you know, you might have the best diet in the world, but you're like a persistent snacker who doesn't sleep well and gets easily stressed yeah. or the things in your life that you need 
need to change. And you think, well, I'm eating all the right things, but maybe the way you're eating them and it's not, the not right sleeping or over-exercising, you know, the best diet in the world is not going to balance out those other areas of your life. Yeah. But I think the important thing to remember is the immune system is very adaptable. So with consistency and really being tenacious about trying to take care of all the different areas and take care of yourself. Over time, you can see those changes. But like you say, it's not going to be an overnight no. fix. And there's not one thing that you can do. You can do. One of the last things I wanted to talk about is silent information, because I think that's one of the ones that I just do find a little bit interesting. I mean, what yes. symptoms and behaviours could we be facing if we're battling with this? And how is that linked to the autoimmunity and the leaky gut and the digestive issues? So I guess the post-eating leaky gut, this inflammation that happens after we eat, that's a form of silent inflammation. So we call it silent because we don't really know it's there. Yeah. We have quite imperfect signs and symptoms. Inflammation in itself is an acute, a short-term response of the immune system mm. to danger or damage or an infection. And we know... When it's not silent, we know that we have inflammation because it has some cardinal features. So this is swelling, being hot, being red. We lose the function. For example, if you cut your finger and it goes red and swollen with cells and hot and you can't use it for a while, that's inflammation. Or if you have a sore throat and your neck feels swollen, you have a fever, that's inflammation happening. So that's your immune system doing its job. And it's fine in a short term. You know, if you have a cold for a few days, you have an inflammation for a few days yeah. and then you're fine. When you cut your finger, it starts to heal and then it's fine. It's by design only ever meant to be acute. Mm -hmm. But in some cases... It's constant. It's, it's constant. Yeah. yeah. The important thing to remember is that the day-to-day -day running of our body is a kind of oxidative process. You know, all of our cells are doing all their metabolic functions and producing this oxidative byproducts. So this is sort of the opposite of antioxidants that we think about to, to quench that. So the day-to-day -day running of our body is a bit of a silent inflammation in itself. Digestion can be a source of silent inflammation. As we get older, we have less stringency of our immune system. Mm -hmm. So that can also lead to more low-grade inflammation. Other, the big ones, the obvious ones, would be things like smoking. Also being sedentary because exercise is an anti-inflammatory, so it generally quenches unruly inflammation. But is um, it an anti-inflammatory when you are in a constant space of inflammation? Because I always found like I had to have six months off exercise for a bit of high intensity yeah. because I was so yeah. stressed and inflamed and my cortisol levels were so high. Well, that, yeah, this is the thing. And that's the bit, it's the yo -yo that people can't understand, yeah. can they? It's a double-edged sword, yeah. I guess. When I say inflammation and exercise being anti-inflammatory, I mean going for a walk, going for a run, get a bit of an exercise class here or there, you know, just always moving your body, maybe mm -hmm. a bike ride. I don't mean like pounding it out of the gym five days a week because that tips over into being inflammatory because you're putting such a stress on all oh, of your muscles yeah. and you're tearing them up. You know, it has a high metabolic demand, so it takes away from your immune system, which also demand certain nutrients and certain metabolites to run so yeah it's kind of that double-edged sword with exercise yeah I think it's just one of those things where again people need to start listening to their body and they know if they really ask themselves you know am I exhausted should I be going and does it yes, feel right for me exactly, so I guess yeah. just by like finishing it off if people were listening to this 
like I have done ones on like PCOS and endometriosis, but if they've got autoimmune, inflammation, leaky gut, what are some of the day-to-day things that they can do? Because I know for me, it was quite a healing process. It was quite a journey. What are some of the small things that they can make changes, as you said, like just to take home, just like sleeping more or eating slower or certain foods? I I, I would say for anyone that is not familiar with the circadian clock, the circadian rhythm, I would go and have a look, go and read about it Mm. and try and live your day in a circadian rhythm. So when the sun comes up, get up at the same time every day, go to bed at the same time, try and eat at the same time, try and consolidate your meals so that you're not snacking all the time into actual meals and try and enjoy those meals. In terms of actual nutrition, in general, we find a healthy adult with no underlying health conditions that we know of. They shouldn't need any vitamin or mineral supplements per se, with the exception of vitamin D, which we get from sunlight, which has quite an important role in regulating the immune system. So we tend to see low vitamin D associating with autoimmune conditions. But generally, they should be able to hit their recommended daily allowance without supplements. And sometimes if you take too much of a vitamin or mineral, it can actually cause inflammation in the body. So it's good to only supplement if you know that you need to. That's really interesting as well. I think that's the thing is people need to stop essentially listening and looking at other people and really get to grips with their own journey and their own bodies, understanding what it means. I just think that's probably one of the biggest take homes. And I mean, we could talk for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours on this. And I think that just sums up just how much the immune system is at play here when it comes to pretty much every element of our lives. And, you know, I've done podcasts before on gut health and how Mm -hmm. it's essentially, you know, if you have autoimmune and you have IBS and you have all of these things, it's effectively just a gut imbalance. And that's where it all links. And I think that's what I'm learning and have been an advocate of this from the beginning is that our bodies are just so connected in so many ways. And I think this has just completely (laughs) proved it. So thank you so much, guys that are listening. You can find everything from Jenna's website on her Instagram and on her website. There are so many areas and so many topics that we've covered with blogs as well on Alternatively Healthy. As a contributor, there's a lot of articles on our site, but you can find her at Dr. Jenna Machocki.com. And her Instagram handle is Dr. underscore Jenna underscore Machocki. And all of this information will be in the show notes and at the bottom of this bio. So, Jenna, thank yeah. you so much. No um, super maybe excited to hear more from you. Specific, so maybe if people have specific topics that we couldn't expand on today, then if they drop absolutely. you or me a line and we can do like an article or something absolutely to cover I think we had to go broad with this one and there is just you know we could have talked for hours but if there's yeah. anything from this podcast that you are specifically more interested in hearing about whether it's leaky gut autoimmune silent inflammation yeah. the role with food and inflammation and exercise and inflammation then please do shout because we would love to give some more context on that or reach out to Jenna and I and let us know but Jenna thank you so much no um, have a lovely day and thank you so much for joining me it was amazing thank you, thank you. Thank you so much. See you later. Bye-bye. You have been listening to the Alternatively Healthy Wellness Podcast Series by Becky Raven. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Please feel free to leave your comments and feedback below and don't forget to give us a lovely little rating. For more information on our podcasts, other episodes and to find out more about what we do, please visit www.alternativelyhealthy.co.uk And remember, shaping the healthiest version of you means looking purely at you.
when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.